We've got football on our mind tonight on the Kilcoin Conversation. Kevin Burkhart, lead announcer for the NFL on Fox, of course, replaced Joe Buck in the booth. He'd been working for the network. Before that, you saw him doing games. He was on the second crew, moved up to the top team when Joe and Troy went to ESPN. And Burkhart is one of the few people at the network level who doesn't get destroyed. You just don't click a lot and see people mad or hating on him. Just sort of a smooth, I would say even like a minimalist, like the old days it was Ray Scott and Pat Summerall who don't get in the way of the play or the game, but largely uh, popular, I would say, with people who watch the games. Did the Super Bowl last year on Fox, is working with Greg Olson, who is also well-regarded, I think even won an Emmy, sports Emmy, a year ago, and yet is in the weird role of being... I guess, I don't know what the word is, not, not the successor, the incumbent, but the guy who's going to get bounced for Tom Brady. And by all accounts, Tom Brady is going to go work for Fox. I guess they could tweak the plan, but initially it would be Tom Brady as your lead analyst, sort of the answer to Tony Romo, which I would say, I don't know if you want to have an answer for that. That's that's a whole nother deal. Andrew Marchand, who's been on this show before, is a media critic. He's about as plugged in as anyone in the country, sports media. Not just critic, because that that word maybe is a bit of a turnoff, but insider gets all the scoops when the announcers, the networks are making sports decisions. He wrote a column about Nance and Romo, and I haven't read it yet. The title just said, The Nance and Romo booth is a mess with the Super Bowl looming. So it's not just me pointing this out. But the main point I was making there is that Tom Brady is supposed to be joining Kevin Burkhart next season, leaving Greg Olson in limbo, which makes things sort of a weird deal. So Kevin Burkhart on in advance of the NFC Championship game this Sunday, Lions and Niners. And on the show also, James Williams. It's Jameson Williams' dad. Jameson Williams played a Cardinal Ritter, went to Ohio State, switched to Alabama, had a huge year with the Tide, First-round pick of the Detroit Lions a year ago. Uh, I'm telling you, his dad is a hoot. What I remember, we did something right after the draft in 2022, and I remember the dad calling Nick Saban Nicky Baby. And I was just like, nobody. there's no way anybody calls him that. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. He's a character. James Williams, Kevin Burkhart coming up on the show. Brendan Weesey and I will close it out a little bit later. We'll talk about the Blues, who all of a sudden have a playoff pulse. This was the road trip that they pointed to. We all sort of said, okay, if you're going to be in the mix before this extended all-star break that's coming up, you better do some damage, specifically against Calgary and Seattle, the two teams among the teams you're sort of trying to run down. The Vancouver game sandwiched in the middle was kind of a bonus. You want to win them all, but even the way they lined up Jordan Bennington, they didn't give him the Vancouver game. And they didn't say, well, we don't expect to win that game. But they gave Bennington the Calgary game and trying to beat the Flames, who you're trying to catch in the standings, and then he'll play on Friday against Seattle. So they knew going in those were the two big games. Well, now they've won the first two. You're getting greedy. Go for three. They beat Calgary in a thriller on Tuesday, and then they follow that up the next night in Vancouver, one of the best teams in the NHL, one of the best home records in the NHL, and the Blues win it in overtime with Braden Shen. And I love the optics on this because one of my complaints about the Blues, and we've brought it up, whether it was Craig Berube on the show, Doug Armstrong on the show, did the Blues sort of lose that heavy game or that 
DNA where they were just kind of tough. They didn't take crap. The old school blues that you would go to the Checkerdome and root for, you saw that in overtime. How did Braden Shen score? Right before he got the puck, he leveled the Canucks player in front of the net. How many times do we see the blues getting pushed around? They've been overdue to be the ones doing the pushing back. I just love that because Shen is one of the few players on that team, old school, he knocks their guy out of the way, gets the puck, scores the game winner. What a great win. What a fun game. And then Hofer, the young goalie, I'm sure he was deflated. He gave up the game-tying goal in the final minute. Blues are about to win it. Gives up a goal, I'm sure, even though he was getting peppered, the Canucks had the extra attacker. I'm sure he thinks, I could have I hung on to that puck. I could have stopped it. But he bounces back, and in overtime, not much later than that, makes a huge stop. And if Hofer can play really well and give Bennington a couple of nights off, hey, who knows? Maybe this team, maybe they'll surprise. I've written them off a thousand times already this season, but they've got a pulse right now. And the Kings are here on Sunday. That's another team that you're sort of looking up in the standings that you're maybe trying to catch. So keep winning, keep stacking points. You got a shot. And I think really with this team this year, all you really want is to be in that playoff conversation. You don't want to be done by the deadline. You don't want to be giving up players again. You want to try and just wedge your way in, if at all possible. So the Blues are rolling a little bit. Billikens are not. We'll get into that, Brendan and I, about what's happening with Slew. That was as ugly as it's been, and it's been really ugly. 56 second-half points given up to a Davidson team that's not very good, let's be honest. And Davidson comes into your building – and walks all over you. My colleague Daniel Esteve was down there, and he was getting some post-game interviews, and he's going to feed him back to us. So I keep texting. What'd they say? What they Haven't come out yet. What'd they say? Haven't come out yet. 30 minutes is a really long time, and it's not the end of the world, but it's interesting, worth pointing out. They normally come out probably 15 minutes after a game, but no sign of the coach. And I guess Travis Ford didn't do his radio hit either with uh, Rammer. And then when they came out, I'm sure Coach was fired up. He's really mad about the defense. But Bradley Azuero, one of the players, and I know he's not a household name, but one of their better players right now, transfer, he basically said, what we needed to get out, we got out in the locker room. What needed to be said was said. It sounded like they cleared the air. But as many people pointed out on Twitter, it's a little too late for that. So the Billikens are a mess. We'll get into that a little bit later. Brendan Weese joins me. The Kill Coin Conversation with Kevin Burkhart when we come back. On the line with us right now from Fox Sports, the lead NFL announcer. You'll hear him on the big NFC Championship game this weekend. Lions and 49ers, of course, also part of the MLB broadcast, the uh, studio host with Big Poppy, A-Rod, Jeter, you name it. It's Kevin Burkhart with us. And, Kevin, it's a championship weekend, and I'm sure every game is fun for you, but you got to do the Super Bowl a year ago. Nothing compares. But I would think this weekend, that that's kind of fun, isn't it, knowing you're leading into a game like this? Yeah, I mean, I think every Sunday is fun, but uh, you know, the playoffs are something else. So we had a we had a really great one last week, you know, Packers and 49ers, and it's just it's so cool to do these games with these iconic teams, and then you know, a game goes down the wire and it's pouring rain. It's you know, it's a privilege, it really is. So I I I think this week's going to be a blast. I mean, there's so many storylines in it. Obviously, you know. Can Kyle Shanahan's 49ers finally get over the hump? They've been so good for so long. They're in the championship every single year. And then, my goodness, I mean, the Lions never made a Super Bowl, right? I mean, like, think about what the city of Detroit is feeling right now. And with all that on their shoulders, I think 
it's such an amazing turnaround for that organization, and they're in kind of rarefied air. So um, I think it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. There's just a, so many storylines in this game to watch. Have you had many Lions games this year? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Maybe we had a couple, maybe. Yeah, we've done them three times, uh, and we actually have had them a good amount of time since then. Uh, Campbell took over, so we're familiar with them and their team and their staff. And um, you know, I know Greg Olson, my partner, is really fond of Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator. I think he does a fantastic job. And you know, I, I think they are very, very good offensively. They got one of the best offensive lines in the league, kind of unheralded, although they're starting to get some credit now because they're in the championship game. I think Jared Goff is having, if not the best, one of the best years of his career, and I feel good for him. You know, it's kind of, you know, a, a renaissance tour for him after the Rams kind of he said, all right, we're done with you, and they go in a Super Bowl at Stafford. And, you know, many thought he was just going to be a stopgap, and they, you know, they cut him, and it turns out he's a franchise quarterback. So it, I, I think it's just an awesome story for him. I think the question is defensively, can they do enough to slow down San Francisco? Green Bay did a great job with that. Um, mainly with their front uh, on defense. I, I think that is going to be the question to answer uh, in this game. Is Dan Campbell as energetic when he meets with you guys, your production meetings? Are you ready to run through the wall after? I mean, he seems like he doesn't turn off that persona. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's maybe a notch below, um, but he's always super positive. And, and what you see is what you get with him. I think that's why it's kind of worked. I, I think... Look, the beauty of the Lions is they have taken on the persona of that city, right? Blue-collar, grinders, you know, kind of work your way back, uh, you know, to you know being a good team. It had been so long. Um, all of those things. And I think Campbell, you know, we always you know joked about the kneecap-biting thing in his first press conference, but I think the idea was that they were going to grind and fight, and, 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 you know, that doesn't necessarily work in every city, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm in L.A. Do people care about a team that grinds and fights? I'm not so sure that's the case. But in a city like Detroit, I think it matters. I think it, I think it resonates there. So um, I, I just think that whole persona has worked. And I think besides all the persona, I think he's a heck of a football coach. And guys really like him and trust him. And he, you know, he's built the program there. So that's the most important thing. Now, Lynch in San Francisco, did you work with him at Fox? Was he your guy in the booth? Oh yeah, I worked with him for four years. He was, uh, you know, he John's a good friend, and yeah, the first four years of my uh, time at Fox, he was my partner. So he should slide you all kinds of inside intel, right? At this point, this is where <laughs> that pays off. Now, I'm guessing he wouldn't, but I was thinking that you know him well. Had he ever considered? I mean, I feel like he was always being offered more TV gigs. Maybe it was Amazon, but he's—I think he's in the right spot. He's a football guy, and even though he's a great announcer, he's in the perfect spot. Yeah, he he missed the competition when he was doing TV. He was great on TV, but he missed the competition of it all. And, you know, the, um, you know, the wins and losses. And that's what a lot of guys struggle with when they retire. So I think he could have done either. Obviously he was doing TV very, very well. Um, and this was not something that was on his radar for long. It kind of happened rather quickly, but we've done a better job than him at assembling an unbelievable team and being good every single year. I mean, Every year that their quarterback has stayed healthy, they've essentially been in the title game. It's pretty hard to do. Um, so I'm happy for him. He's the best. And, you know, but as you know, like, they've had all this success, but, you know, they got to win one. This is all great. And it's been amazing their run. But if they win one, it's the cherry on top. And then it kind of solidifies it. So there's a lot of pressure on them. 
Now, I mentioned you did the Super Bowl last year, uh, rave reviews. Once you've gotten through that, is is there less pressure at what you do, even though you know this weekend, I mean, it'll be 40, 50 million, 60 million, whatever the number ends up being, a ton of people will be watching. But once you've done a Super Bowl, does that sort of like take that pressure off? Yeah, I, I think it does. You know, i got to be honest, Warren, I've never done a game be like, ooh, like i, I got to be better today. There's going to be 45 million people watching. I think if you do that, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, but, like, I'd be lying if I said, you know, like, doing the Super Bowl, leading up to it was the nerve-wracking part. Like, the week of, uh, that was the tough part. Once the game started, um, I know others have said this, but it truly... It, it, it truly felt like every other game because you're just into the game. You're doing your thing. You're not thinking about like, oh my god, 115 million people are watching this, and we're we got to do this. Like, you just do what you do every single week, and you know, you call it a good game, and and hope you're on, and 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 you know, having a good day. That's, that's really, yeah. Does that next year make everything? Of course, <laughs> like it's not going to get more nerve wracking than that. So. Look, I always get like a little excited for the games, but for me, that's a good thing. Like that's a, an energy thing and a, and, and a good thing. Like I, I, I want to have that for me personally. Do you see the reviews? Does anyone in the family? Do you have a cousin and uncle or relatives? Like, oh no, they said this about your. Oh, this was a nice one over here. Does anybody ever tell you? Do you ever see it? Yeah, I mean, I see that stuff. I mean, I, it, look, it's it's obviously nice when people say nice things or write nice things. But there's plenty of other things that are written or said, which are the other way, and I, it, it's not going to affect the way I do things or who I am. And honestly, you know, social media, for every nice comment or for every humane comment, it's just kind of like it doesn't matter what you do. You just, it's just, you know, fans are going to be pissed if their team loses, right? So uh, I know that, and I'm smart enough to understand that. So I see it. I don't see all of it, but I, I see a good amount of it. Um, and it's fine. It comes with, it totally comes with the job. I, it's not going to change hasn't changed it will not change how i approach things i mean i, I know you know that you, you you live in that world right it's, it's just different than it used to be and uh you know it's it is what it is i still try to be you know respond to people when i can kind of people when i can and, and yeah i mean you know when you're when their team loses you're gonna get you're gonna get crap for it no matter how good or bad you were that day well, and I, I've always said that if somebody has an opinion about me, I can't argue that. If they email me or tweet at me, you know, you're, you're stupid, you're not funny, you're fat, whatever. Like, I'm not going to argue, but if it's a factual mistake, hey, you said this. I'm like, well, no, actually, I never said that. I will never respond unless it's factually uh, incorrect. But I would say in Kevin Burkhart's world, very few critics. NFL on Fox this Sunday, the championship game, Lions and 49ers see it locally. At 5.30, we had Dick Vermeil on the show earlier this week, so I go to Wikipedia with all the guests just to see, although much of it's inaccurate, it said, Kevin Burkhart, growing up in New Jersey, was an Eagles fan because of a mascot, a stuffed animal mascot he got on the Sears catalog. Is that possibly correct? That was on Wikipedia, huh? Yes. <laughs> um, that's, that's actually correct. I, I, you know, it probably came out during the Super Bowl because, you know, a lot of people obviously are doing articles and we're doing interviews and... <laughs> Um, but that is correct. Yeah. When, you know, back in the day when there was no internet and, um, you know, I grew up in North Jersey and so my family was Giants fans. And, um, so I would always watch football and 
the you know I kind of like the Eagles and, and and for whatever reason even though they got you know their 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 backsides beat up by the Giants most days poor Ron Jaworski who I love growing up just gets sacked by Lawrence Taylor all the time but you know they had these things called NFL huddles and at the time like yeah you get the catalogs from the big department stores and like they had certain things I don't remember if it was Sears or J C Penney but they had this eagle stuffed animal that, you know, Santa got me one year and uh, I loved it and I became an eagle fan. And, you know, once you once you make that choice, as you well know, you stick with it, right? So uh, that is actually true. Pretty, pretty funny stuff. How about that? Wikipedia got one right because sometimes I'll read in here and I'm like, there's no way that's true. Then I'll tell the guests and I'll say, that's actually not true. They're confused about the year you were born. It says either 73 or 74. That's another one they're confused about. Um, what else here? Oh, it says that you host a show called Alone on History Channel's reality a re- reunion show. I'm sorry. Is that right? Host a show called Reunion? I, I had I had done that in the past. Yeah, okay. That's correct. I don't know who writes those. Right. I, mean, I think random people I think random people do. Yeah, I mean generally I found that a lot of that stuff, like I've been on there like just looking up things and then I always double check it, but generally <laughs> generally it's relatively accurate. But I there was one this is actually pretty funny. There was for a time, I think it's been since taken down, um, that they had me with a son and a daughter. I, I don't have a daughter. I have one son. And, like, I had people being like, oh, how's your, how's your daughter doing? I'm like, I don't have a daughter. Where's that coming from? <laughs> and then I found out that it was on Wikipedia. Like, someone put the, you know, so uh, to your point, uh, it's not always correct, but that particular bit of information is right. That's true. I hate to tell you, it still has you with two children on here. It does. It's does still, it really? Oh, yes. well, there you go. I guess, we'll, I guess there we'll is. Have, uh, you know what? That That's a good project for our buddy Mitch Smith. He can get to Wikipedia and have them correct this, or he'll figure out a way. Uh, the, the world's, Mitch can do anything. Yes. I, I have full belief in Mitch's <laughs> ability to do anything, uh, you know, whether it's uh, – on the record, off the record, you know, <laughs> you name it, that guy can get it done. The one and only Mitch Smith in the booth with our guy Kevin Burkhart. Because of your celebrity now with this job that you have, do you meet guys like Jaworski or do you run into people who were football heroes and they know who you are or you're able to make conversation with people you would have never, otherwise never met because of what you're doing now? Are you running into people? Because the, the more you're in a higher profile job now than even two years ago. Yeah, you you definitely do, and that's really cool, and that stuff isn't lost on me, right? Because I'm I'm a fan. That's the reason I got into this, right? So uh, I love that stuff. Um, you know, like I, I was, uh, you know, I don't remember when this was. Maybe it was last year. Um, you know, I was doing an Eagles game, and uh, I was on the field before the game talking to Mike Quick and Harold Carmichael, the Hall of Famer. And I'm like, if I, I'm like, if, if eight year old me would, you know, would be in this spot right now, I would like lose my mind, right? Like, so I just transferred back to like being a kid and growing up, and, and that's that's really cool. I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had an opportunity to meet some people that I really admire growing up, and that's a neat little perk of the job. It's, it's even cooler when they watch you and see, you know, your work on TV, which is cool. So yeah, it's 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 pretty. Listen, I still have. I mean, I do this because I grew up a fan and I, I I love sports, right? So like that part is that part is still very much in me. You don't. I I haven't lost that. Like it's that's still a big part of who I am. And do you think if Tom Brady follows through, the next year he's your partner in the booth? Does that raise the fishbowl quotient there? Does that make it even more of a celebrity role? Or like, have you thought about what that could be like? I, I mean, I haven't thought about it. I, I don't. I, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people watching, but 
you know, we just did the last two weeks and 80 million people watched their two games. I don't know how many more people can watch. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, well, I guess we'll find out. I haven't really thought about it too much. And everyone has said it, your partner, Greg Olson, someone you know well, he does a great job. As far as that situation, he's handled it about as well as anybody could with what's been written and what's been reported. He seems to have been maybe the leader in terms of making it less awkward. All we can do and all we've ever done is just go out and have fun and do the games, right? Like we don't control anything else but that. So that's kind of been our mindset the whole time. Go out, have fun, enjoy each other, you know, have a good broadcast, and that's all we control. That's all we can control. So that's really been kind of our thing. Otherwise, you just get wrapped up in, in other stuff, and I don't think it does you any good. Well, Kevin, we appreciate you hopping on. I know it's a busy week. Looking forward to the NFC Championship game this week. Lions and 49ers. got a lot of St. Louis kids on the Lions team, so we've sort of adopted them here in our NFL-less town. So thanks for your time. Keep up the good work. All right, anytime, man. Good talking to you again. Be well. And joining us right now is James Williams. He's part of that St. Louis Lions Mafia because we have Sam Laporta, Jack Fox, and, of course, Jamison Williams all go to the NFC Championship game playing for Detroit but representing the STL. And James is here with us now. Give me You're always excited. I know that. How about right now with what's happening with the Lions? Uh, it's simply amazing, you know, that for, for, for us to be uh, a city that simply resembles St. Louis a lot and being able to go to the championship, it kind of puts you in the mind of how the Rams did it. And it feels like the country's kind of pulling for Detroit because they've been so bad for so long, right? And do you think that people are kind of like, it's a little bit like, hey, why not Detroit? Why not now? We do have an underdog mentality. And, you know, uh, I guess we are the small fish in the pond at this point with Frisco and Kansas City and Baltimore. But it don't matter. Like I say, you know, it kind of resembles us as in St. Louis. We're not afraid to roll up our sleeves and get the dirty work done. How about for Jamison when they drafted him? He was coming out of Alabama, highly decorated, but coming off an injury. They showed a lot of faith just in taking him in that first round. Yeah, and that's greatly appreciated, too. We love the city. They love him. You know, we couldn't ask for for much more. You know, then we got this great, great ride that we are now. You know, and it's just been going up and up and up. Last year we was nine and eight. This year we was twelve and five. And what's it been like being in the building, watching that city react and, and that team advance? It's crazy because you know, like in the beginning, you know, it's all great, and then when you when you turn around, when you turn around and and uh, look at it, and and they turn around and start winning a lot of games, you you start to see everybody start to pile on the train, you know. <laughs> So they were a little unsure because they had so many letdowns. Well, there's room, there's room on that bandwagon, I would think. How about for Jamison himself? He had you know, the battle of the injury, then he had suspension. Where is he at in terms of getting the career where he wants it to be? Ready to get to work. You know, he, he, he's at a point right now where he knows he can help, but at this point at a juncture that he just has to do what they need him to do. You know, so it's not – really about Jamison. It's about the team. You know, he's more willing to do the team thing. That way, you know, it's better all around. Super Bowl, you know, everybody wins when a team wins. Only Jamison wins when Jamison wins. And take us back, that move from Ohio State to Alabama, I've always said that's the ultimate in confidence. He leaves Ohio State, 
says, hey, I want to get, I want to play more, I want to get the ball more, and he goes to Alabama. That took some guts. Yeah, 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 it, it definitely took guts. But, I mean, that's just how he was raised. Like I say, I, I can't say much more about the city and how it, you know, uh, pertains to his character and how he's been raised. You know, so, so for him to go from Ohio State to Alabama, he always expected greatness, and I'm not going to accept too much short of greatness. And so I, you, 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 the pressure is on. <laughs> I think the last time you and I talked, you were calling Nick Saban Nicky Baby. And I said, I, I said, I don't think you can do that, but you could. You could. Tell me about that relationship. Man, it crushed me when Nicky retired, man. It, it's, it's crazy to, to, to see a man that's been around for 40 years just give it up like that, you know. And, and he was getting to be something really, really special with the guys because I think he had reached a level of satisfaction as far as like championships to where he don't have to be so like overbearing over the guys. Like you have to do it like this. You have to do it like this. He kind of like started to let guys be themselves kind of like Jamison. And that would led Jamison to being as great as he is at Alabama because it wasn't a lot of pressure on him to be something that he wasn't. How about for you though? You had to be intimidated the first time, right? That you met Nick Saban. Nah, I respect Nick Saban. Me and Nick Saban kind of cut from the same cloth. No nonsense type of guys. And we expect more out of you than you're going to expect out of yourself. So you were surprised when he left. But he is, what, 71, 72. So you think Alabama, what are they going to look like without Saban? It just feels different. Man, roll tag. We going championship. You see who we just got? My man was just in the championship last this year. Oh, okay. you know, Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. There, there we go. We got Kalen DeBoer. Then he bought half of that team with him. You know, you mix that team with what <laughs> Alabama had. I mean, it's inevitable. I like yeah. it. I like you're still loyal to Alabama. James Williams on the line. His son, Jamison Williams, playing in the NFC Championship game this week, Lions and Niners Sunday. You'll see it right here on Fox 2, 5.30 kickoff in prime time. And I understand it's a, not a dilemma, but interesting for you since the Niners are kind of your team. Yeah, the Niners always been my favorite team. But it's I mean there's no other it's no other thing that I would love more than my son to knock off the Niners and go to the Super Bowl in the same city where he just got drafted 2 years ago. Now, were you a Niners guy when the Rams were here? I definitely was a Niners guy when the Rams were here. So it predates them moving to St. Louis from L.A.? How far back are you? Are you a Montana Dwight Clark yeah, guy? Yes, I am. I'm a Montana Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, yeah, Merton Hanks, all those guys. Ken Norton. Yep. Why? <laughs> I, I, when I started having a love for football, that was just a team that I took affinity to. You know what I'm saying? I took affection to that team because it kind of resembled who I was at that time and who I was trying to become. They worked hard, they played hard, and they won B. Now, have you been to that stadium before in Santa Clara? No, this is my first time. That's what's going to make it that much more special. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We're getting out there Saturday to enjoy the atmosphere. We we hope it's a great game, but, but my prediction is 31-24 Lions. 
31-24. Can you imagine the party back in Detroit if they, in fact, get to the Super Bowl? They've one of the few NFL franchises that have never been. How many road games have you been to? And I'm curious, do they give you decent seats? I remember when we would travel with the Rams, I'd see Brenda Warner sitting up in like the last row. How do they treat the visiting team? The same. <laughs> the, 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 the nosebleed seats. Is you that know, right? I don't get yeah. that. Wow. I, well, well, they making the money. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they gonna make the money off of their seats, and they don't want they they don't want <laughs> our fans. I understand because they don't want our fans to be making a lot of noise. If we all up in the nosebleed, if we making a lot of noise, they can't hear it down on the field, but they fans can. You know, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so you got to be Taylor yeah. Swift to get the hookup. <laughs> yeah, well, she's still up in the box. In the box. <laughs> So are the Lions' parents – I know the Laportas, the Foxes, I think they sit together, and we've got a pretty good STL contingent. Uh, yeah. What's game day like for the St. Louis parents? Uh, St. Louis parents, we just – most of the time we just eat and just hang out and just <laughs> let it be a regular day. It's just regular game day for us. We, we don't treat it any uh, different than when he was in JFL or high school. You know, it's just regular game day. And did, and, 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 huh? No, go ahead. The, the more the more regular we keep it, the better it is for him. And didn't you tell me when he was playing JFL junior football, you thought, "Hey, this kid could make it to the NFL." Wasn't it a long time ago? At ten, age ten. Why? Why do you believe that then? Uh, it really is because of the track athlete he is, and I've never seen a kid, any kid, work as hard as him to achieve a goal that he had set his mind to. And when he was about 10, he said that I want to play in the NFL. So we started planning and matriculating in the right direction with the workouts and the food and schools and, you know, environments to where he can have that opportunity. Now, would he have crossed paths with Luther? I'm trying to think Luther is a little younger, Luther Burden. I'm sure they know each other. Yeah, yeah, he was actually a freshman at Cardinal Ritter when Jamison was a senior. He was on that state chain that went to okay. state against Trinity. Yeah, so they were teammates. Yeah, yeah, they were teammates. Any doubt yeah. Any doubt you'll see Luther playing on Sundays in your mind? Never a doubt. They always called him touchdown Luther. Right. <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and honestly, like, the guy that used to coach him, which is David Shanks, one of my best friends, actually gave him the number three because of Jamison. You know, that's why he wore the number three at Herbert Hoover, because of Jamison. And then when Jamison left Cardinal Ritter, he got number three at Cardinal Ritter. I didn't know that. The history, yeah. uh, the history of the three. A lot of great St. Louis talent playing at the NFL level now. You look around the league, there's a lot of kids. Even Foyer Alukanen, who's down with the Jaguars, leading the NFL in tackles a couple of years in a row. There's guys sprinkled all over the place. Man, uh, Do you think the fact we don't have an NFL team, it doesn't seem to have stopped the local talent from making it to that level? It don't stop the local talent from making it to that level because of environment and weather. And uh, I I believe that college coaches can do more with us because we don't play football all year round all the time. We don't just, you know, do it all around. So our window and our upside is more than somebody like from Florida who has the weather where they could play all year round or Texas or California. They kind of like burn their years out, if you understand what I'm saying, in my opinion. 
So are you, you're saying that maybe our kids, because they play multiple sports, that's an advantage or helpful? That's a, that's definitely an advantage. You know, people like Kyron Williams, who grew up at the same time as Jamison, played multiple sports. He's a baseball and a football kid. Jamison plays. He ran track and football. You, you know what I'm saying? Luther plays basketball and football. It, it, the, the multiple sports here kind of like helps ground us with our skill set. No, that's a great point. Great point. All right, since you called Saban Nikki Baby, what do you call Dan Campbell? Man, I just call him Dan, man. <laughs> you don't want you, yeah, you don't want to lose a kneecap. No, no. Nah, nah, well, well, me and Dan have we we haven't had a chance to create a relationship okay. like me and Nick did. You know, me and Nick can I could call Nick and talk to Nick at at any time. You know, so me and Dan just haven't had that, that time sure. to, as you say, you know, when he came in, he was hurt, so he wasn't a part of the team for the first 10 or 11 weeks. And then this week, I mean, this year with the gambling suspension, so he wasn't a part of the team for the first four weeks. You know, it hasn't been a, a, a time period, but I'm quite sure we'll get to that time where we can get on a personal level. I'm, I'm more of a guy like that. I get to know people real personally. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it for a second. Are you still doing the show? Weren't you and Jamar Chase's dad doing a show, the dads? Yeah, yeah we, we, we're still trying to figure that out, you know. And, and that's because now he has slowed down where they didn't, you know, make the playoffs. But now, look, we on a run, so we ain't really had time to kind of like sit down and, you know, I got it, but you guys are you guys are characters, man. We got to we got to have you on more. Let's hope that you win this weekend, and then Detroit's going to the Super Bowl. Everybody can watch the game on Fox. You'll be there. How big's your crew that'll be there in attendance? Uh it's just it's just family. Okay, you know, yeah, it's just family there. Well, Jameis has got to pay for those tickets, right? So you can't get too out of hand. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, well we, we try to keep it copacetic. James, thanks for hopping on the show. You're always fun to talk to, and it's been great fun watching all these St. Louis kids. This week on Fox 2, we caught up with the Laportas. We caught up with you. We caught up with Jack Fox's family. It's just great how many local kids happen to be on this team. We credit Brad Holmes, the GM, because he used to work for the St. Louis Rams. There it is. Back in the day, he knows about the local talent. Hey, thanks so much for hopping on. All right, thank you. Sometimes ideas just come to me while we're doing an interview, and I'm thinking maybe next year a Lions game, maybe I get to go, or we send one of my colleagues up there and go follow not only Jameson's dad but the Laporta. Go to a Lions game with all the St. Louis families and see what that experience is like, uh, especially if Detroit gets it done, goes to a Super Bowl. But either way, that would be a lot of fun. Appreciate the dad hopping on the show. We featured a number of them this week on Fox 2, and it just gives us a little more rooting interest locally. I mean, I wouldn't have any interest in the Lions other than, hey, good for them. But with all these local kids, especially ones that we covered at the high school level, uh, it makes it a little more fun to have to have a rooting interest going into the game. I want to tell you about Illinois Recovery Center. They opened in 2023, and it's important what they're doing. They're helping folks with addiction. We've got the opioid crisis all throughout our country. They're trying to help people save their own life. That's really what this is all about. When it comes to addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol, they're getting people in and getting their lives turned around. Professional staff, safe, inclusive environment, and a number of the staff there are just a great group of people who have their own story of recovery using evidence-based treatment programs to get to the root of the addiction. That's really the most important thing. Yes, there's an addict in your family or your colleague or your neighbor. They need help, but really what is the root? What is causing all of this? They'll do group therapy, individual therapy, 
cognitive behavioral therapy to get to the bottom of the problem. It's going to take some work, but this is a great place to do it. Awesome campus over there in Swansea, Illinois, not far at all from downtown St. Louis. There is hope. There is help. It's over there at Illinois Recovery Center, residential as well as outpatient, all different types of treatment programs for alcohol and drug addiction. If you, your loved one, a family member, neighbor, colleague, anyone needs help, go online, read more at IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. It feels like a Thursday. Hey, that's because it is a Thursday. Brendan Weesey alongside one of our first normal weeks in a while. We didn't yeah. have a holiday. We didn't have a Mizzou game, uh, at least for me. I'm saying we did have a Mizzou game. But Brendan Weesey from KTRS, sports director, of course, as we uh, talk all things blues, Billikens, but also shout out to the Valley. Big news today. Yeah, the, uh, the Arch Madness tournament, uh, a four-year extension on top of – uh, on top of this year's, through, so through 28, uh, option years through 2030, it's uh, it it it's a hallmark. It it is a um, it's part of our uh, of our sports culture now to to see it in downtown St. Louis at Enterprise Center, Martin. It's celebrating 30 years this year. Of course, there were a few years where it was held at the old barn. So a lot of history. It's one of the great. Uh, one of the great basketball conferences in all of college hoops, having a really strong season, some fun games, and uh, we're certainly thrilled to be a the great radio partner here at the Big Five Fifty. Arch Madness continuing on through twenty thirty downtown St. Louis. I love that week and that weekend when you see around town all the fans that are wearing their Indiana State gear or their Drake gear or their Carbondale gear. I just kind of like that we're we're the hub for them. And let's be honest, these are all smaller towns, even though we joke that we're, we're not really the big city, we're not New York or L.A., but compared to a lot of these towns, it probably is a fun weekend for them to be in, quote, the big city. And the fact that Thursday has become a full day now with the expanded league, so you've got four games Thursday, you've got four games Friday, and it's uh, it, it brings a lot of those, like you said, smaller, smaller communities, but still... Uh, really pretty good-sized college towns. The fact that Murray State's now in the league, I think Murray brings a great tradition. We saw what Belmont could bring. And uh, you look at the top of the league, be it Drake. I feel like you do Northern Iowa's game every, every single year, year for us. Right. I don't know if they'll be the top seed Uh-oh. this year. but I better read up on the DeVries. The, 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 the DeVries family for sure. And Indiana State, really sneaky. The they, have found, they have found their way at the top of the league. And some of these coaches, fingers crossed, uh, we want them to be in the Valley forever. But that DePaul job up in Chicago, I think we're, we're hearing some names from Valley schools linked to that job. I'm not sure the DePaul job is very good, though, anymore. It seems like a place you're only going to get fired. Like, it's a question of 100%. how long. Hey, can you guarantee my contract for five years at a high price? Because otherwise, I will not, I won't take it. Dave Lato was the coach like twice, right? Left, yeah, and then yeah. they're like, hey, you want to come back? Sure. Nobody else wants it. You want to come back? Sure. But how has that job gotten so bad? Because there is it's a ton Chicago. of basketball. It's in Chicago. They've gotten lapped by Loyola Chicago, now by Northwestern. Granted, Northwestern's in the Big Ten, but still Northwestern was down forever. And they're looking up at both of those programs in the heart of Chicago and DePaul. It's falling on hard times. So my hope is that those uh, coaches like DeVries or Josh Schertz at Indiana State, 
I, we, we just had Ben Jacobson become the all-time winningest coach in Valley history last week, and I can't imagine that he would now suddenly decide to leave. I hope they all stay put, at least in terms of this DePaul job. I, I don't think it's very good. I had to wait until Loyola left the Valley before I could mention coming to the big city, okay? Because <laughs> they're coming from Chicago. That wouldn't have applied. Very true. Uh, let's stick with basketball. Northwestern, yes, beat Illinois last night in overtime, but overall – Illinois is having a really good season, so I'm not worried about them. Mizzou is a mess. We talked about that yesterday. And the Billikens, every time you think, well, just get a win, just get something to kind of get you by for a little while, quiet the noise, just for a moment even. you got Davidson at home. Yes, it's it's not going to be a raucous environment. I understand that fans are kind of a little ambivalent right now, but that's a team you should beat. You're winning at halftime. You held them to, what, 26, 28 points. And in the second half, they score – 56 points and they just they look like they kind of gave up and that the worst thing you can say about any team hey not bad luck or injuries or a tough loss or buzzer beaters wow that was brutal that was hard when it looks like they just kind of collapse collectively that's what makes it more and more alarming yeah, you get beat by a team. Like you said, Davidson's not very good. They certainly have no business locking you down defensively. You should at the very least be able to keep pace with them up and down the floor. You get waxed in the second half. And I, I, maybe the most disturbing stat of the night is that Gibson Jimerson has held without a point. I mean, he's been the bright spot for this team all season long as they struggle. Gibson still pours in the you know around 20 per night. Uh, while everybody else struggles, did you hear Ford after I the game? Did he what? did say, and it's it's not confusing, but it was I don't know what it I don't know what it means, but he said that Gibbs because we're all looking at the same thing. Well, how is he not scoring? Let's go. And then Coach Ford said, "You guys have no idea. He's dealing with a personal issue. I'm just proud of him for even playing." leaves now even more questions than answers. It, it's like, whoa, what does that mean? So if he's going through something, why did he play 30 minutes? Right. Or if, and, he's, if he's not right mentally, yeah, then don't he play should, him at all. Right. So it, it actually makes you question it more, correct? I mean, that, 100%. And I kind of feel bad on? for the kid because I don't, too. I mean, I don't think you put it out there unless he says it's okay to put it out there. But it just felt... I mean, it'll keep people from piling on, right? I mean, it'll like Tremaine Isabel, who played for the team, had a tweet that said, how is the star senior player not able to score? Like, he didn't nuke him, but it's kind of seeing what everybody was thinking. How can Jimerson not be a factor at all? Well, then the coach says he's going through some personal stuff, and then you kind of feel bad. Okay, well, let's not question it, but if he's not going to be effective, maybe he shouldn't be out there. And, I, you know, I, I like Travis a lot, but you have to be careful, and it's not – about the Jimerson thing. But when you kind of start critiquing your own team, they don't do this, they don't do this, you have to remember, I call it like Jeff Fisher effect, because he would talk about, oh, they didn't do this. It's still your team. Your team. It's still your players. So you can't, as a coach, and I just remember hearing Fisher say things, and I would say, well, wait a minute, but those are your guys. That's You coached them all week. That's your team. You can't distance yourself from the product. Even, it, if, even if you're disappointed in how they're playing – it still reflects on you. And for college basketball or college football coaches, especially because you're the coach and you're essentially the general manager, yeah. you've brought all these guys in. They are your players through and through. That's These are Travis Ford's guys. 
And for them to play that poorly defensively, for their defense, Martin, to have fallen off so severely, that was the hallmark of this team. It's gone. And the one last, the last thing we had said, well, maybe they get better when Sincere Parker plays. Well, he's been back for a couple games now, a few games. I think he played 20, 25 minutes last night. He certainly was not like like this insane missing piece that had to come back and, and this team be whole again. They are they're missing way too much. I, I I don't I don't know how if you don't beat Davidson at home, at home Who are you going to beat? One hundred percent. In a league that's not that good slew, believe it or not, might be the worst team in the Atlantic 10, and that is really hard to swallow. And I think if if we're if we're putting that out there, if and it's and that's not a stretch. I I, I don't think so I'm saying being, even statistically yeah, I, right, it could be proven. Statistically, it, it can. I don't think we're being hyperbolic when we say they might be the worst. And if that's the case, it's going to be hard not to get fired. If you're the worst team in the Atlantic 10 and you're in year eight of your tenure, I think that even if Chris May says, I love you, you're my guy, but I can't have that. I think that's that's sort of where we're headed right now right. with the Billikens. And as bad as the basketball is with Slew and Mizzou, it would be nice if the Blues just give us a little something, right? And these they last are. couple of nights have been fun, not just winning at Calgary, winning at Vancouver, but in dramatic fashion, both games have been very exciting, fun to watch. My mom's texting me at 11.35, Shen! And I was like, what? Mom's watching the game. This is great. Uh, that's really what we want out of this team, isn't it? To at least kind of just be in the mix. Don't be so bad that you're buried. Just be in the final week of the season, be a point ahead, a point back. Just kind of be in contention to get in. And is. And just exactly, just it, it, at least be in the conversation until the very end. You've got some guys. I mean, great to see Brayton uh, Shenner scoring the game winner big last night. And as you said, Hofer to bounce back after giving up the late goal and then making an incredible glove save uh, there in the. It was an overtime, right? Where he yeah. makes the glove save. He almost gave it right back. Well, he did yeah. give it right back to him. Right. Like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But it, it worked out. No, I think that was a huge mental hurdle for him as a young goalie. Give up Monsters. a late goal, but don't get in the tank. It feels like you're getting production from both Bennington and Hofer in in, in goal right now. And I, I don't know if it, if it gets to a point where Army, much like last year, has to make a decision. What do you pawn off pieces to to better you uh, for the future? Where does this team have to be? Where is that drop dead point where you say, I think we could have. I think this team could make the playoffs. Could do some damage. Or do you again? Do you do you sell off parts, or can you sell off parts and still be hopeful that you're in it until the end? A, a lot of different scenarios, and so many no trade clauses. We saw with Tory Krug, some guys will just I don't want to go. <laughs> like, yeah, well, right, they right, have exactly. to agree, they have yeah. to agree to leave. I think if they ended up selling off parts, they'd probably be lesser players. You know, probably not big impact player. Maybe a Kevin Hayes, who somebody would say, oh yeah, he he could help us sure. for a playoff push. But I don't think. Any of your quote core guys, unlike last year, would be on that chopping block. Hey, final thought: Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. He's a really weird kind of wacky guy in his attire and his persona, just the character that he is. I do think for the Chargers, a team that is about as nondescript in the NFL, they don't have any fans. They do have some talent. <laughs> they need a coach and they need some buzz. I think he's the perfect fit for them. And they've got a superstar quarterback there that hasn't been able to turn his 
his starts, his production into wins, and he's been healthy. He's also been hurt, but a healthy Herbert and a healthy Jim Harbaugh, can somebody finally scare the Chiefs in the right. AFC West? That's been a, it's been a pretty difficult task here as of late. Harbaugh has won everywhere he's gone. It took a little longer at Michigan, maybe with a little help of Connor Stallions. We'll see if he finds him, <laughs> finds his way onto his staff in L.A. But uh, the track record is there, and his players seem to really like him for some reason. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it uh, we'll see if it does the trick again here uh, for the Chargers. Dan Deardorff told us that the players absolutely yeah. love him. Yep. And if I'm Harbaugh, I tell that whole team, oh, you know who the Chiefs are. They're Ohio State, okay? And we did this at Michigan. We couldn't beat them. We couldn't beat them. We're getting over the – we're going to get to the point where we are now dominating them instead of them dominating us. Hey, it's fun to talk about. Brendan, what's coming up on the Big Sports Show? We've got uh, – we'll do some winners and losers with Ben in the 7 o'clock hour, 8 o'clock hour, our good friend Benji Molina. We'll talk some Cardinals and some baseball. Our good friend Luke Korak to talk more Blues hockey, 8 o'clock hour as well. Full night here on the Big 550. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you again next Monday on the Kilcoin Conversation.